0: Hi, you're listening to Legacy of Leadership, a podcast from the UAB School of Nursing. My name is Erica Teco, and I'm a marketing specialist with the School of Nursing.
1: And I'm Tidra Smith. I am an associate professor at UAB School of Nursing, also a two-time long. and I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner where I practice at Children's of Alabama, and I'm also the director of our pediatric partnerships.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So to get started, I'd love to hear about your journey into nursing. What led you to pursue nursing as a career?
1: Well, I'm one of those people who always knew I wanted to be in the healthcare profession. I wasn't sure exactly what. I kind of was torn between being a pediatrician and being a nurse. The patient population was always set in stone from Way back when I can remember back in high school, I always knew I wanted to work with children in a healthcare environment. Um, As I got into college, I was around a couple of people who were LPNs and got a chance to kind of see what nurses do from that perspective. Also, got a chance to kind of work in a hospital setting because um, I was in college when there were quarter systems. (laughs) So I would go home during the summer and work at a nursing home. So there I got a chance to meet some nurses and just kind of got more and more interested in nursing before I started my junior year and made the decision that nursing was the role for me. I found out more about being a nurse practitioner and so many other things that I could do with a nursing degree. I decided to pursue nursing and have loved it ever since.
0: And so as someone who knew they wanted to pursue pediatrics early on, what were some of the events or um, inspirations that led you, that made you feel so solid in that decision?
1: I think it's just been my enjoyment. we working with kids. I, you know, would work with my mom. She was the Sunday school leader. And so I would always help her. And we always had the preschool, school-age group, and I just really enjoyed working with them. As I got older, I would take on the group by myself, a lot of times working with the teenagers, babysitting a lot, and so I've just always been around children and involved with the care of children, participating in, like, Read Across America, going to the elementary schools to read, I've always been that person people called on to to help with things like that. And so it's something that I really enjoyed. So I just felt this strong pulling um, to help take care of children by pursuing a career that will allow me to do that.
0: And since you started your career, are there any things that you've really enjoyed about being able to work with kids or how do you think you're able to impact their overall lives, their overall health journey um, through your role?
1: Well, I'm an educator at heart and I love educating children and their families. And I love providing what is necessary to, to ensure that they get the best treatment possible. And I've always enjoyed, um, for lack of better words, making boo-boos better. (laughs) I know, you know, Kids are just different, and I enjoy interacting with them because they're so resilient, and it makes my job a little bit easier, and I've always enjoyed that aspect of it and getting to educate them to kind of help them have a brighter future is how I look at it, and so I've always just enjoyed that, and, and being able to do that, all of my nursing roles and nurse practitioner roles, and now my teaching role has allowed me to do that.
0: And as you mentioned, uh, you're a two-time alum from Mm -hmm. UAB and from the School Mm -hmm. of Nursing. How have your, can you tell me a little more about those degrees and also how those Mm -hmm. degrees have influenced your career and prepared you? Sure,
1: I can do that. I uh, I a. received my master's degree, as well as my DMP from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. My master's degree, I've been able to use it to uh, have more autonomy, I should say. I've always worked in urban settings um, as a nurse, but when I received the degree, MSN degree, along with my certification of pediatric nurse practitioner, I was able also to go out into the community and work at some of the community sites where there there underserved populations, rural areas, and have more autonomy to To utilize the full scope of my training to provide care for these patients. So that has been very enjoyable for me, um, because like I said, that education P is really important to me. And so that degree provided me with the skills to be able to provide a more holistic care to my patients and their families beyond being in a hospital setting where a physician was there all the time. And so I really enjoy that. Then my DMP, the knowledge and skill set that I obtained to be be able to kind of identify the best evidence and then also the knowledge and skill set to be able to design, implement, and evaluate um, the utilization of that evidence in practice has been really beneficial. I've been able to conduct projects, not only me personally, but in conjunction with my students and in conjunction with my role at Children's of Alabama, we've been able to implement best evidence. At the bedside and evaluated to see if this worked um, so that we can continually improve the care that we're providing to children and their families. Um, it's been very invaluable um, knowledge and skill set that I've obtained from being able to get these two degrees.
0: And are there any specific examples of implementing that evidence um, in practice that you would like to talk about today?
1: Sure, I can give one example. Um, As part of my role as Director of Pediatric Partnerships, I conduct a clinical scholars program at Children's of Alabama. It's a collaborative effort between UAB School of Nursing and Children's of Alabama. So it's a 12-month program in which bedside nurses are part of the scholars. I work with them in teams of two, usually sometimes teams of three to design, implement, evaluate evidence-based practice and quality improvement projects. Just recently, last year, I had a group that focused on safe sleep in the ED that had a, a big issue, um, especially for infants 12 months and younger. And so we kind of searched the literature to find the best evidence related to, you know, back to sleep, side to sleep, how should infants sleep, what's the best way to educate families on this, you know, written versus verbal versus videos, and how can we implement this in a in a healthcare setting. We used evidence that we identified to develop a safe sleep video and a safe sleep handout where when patients came into the ED, that was less than 12 months of age, regardless as to the chief complaint, we were able to show them that video and also give them a handout on the fifth grade level, um, to take home with them to reference, you know, the proper way to put their child to sleep, um, whether or not they should use a CREO and we called it the ABCs of sleep, but it, also identify resources that parents could use. You know, we understand not everyone can afford a crib, not everyone um, have the capabilities to um, to have those extra rooms and things. And so, we provided them with resources to to get a baby box or things that they could do in their home to accommodate the um, things that we identified in the literature. And there's several examples like that because I've been doing this program for the three years, and there's lots of projects that have come out of it, some that changed the process within the hospital as far as educating um, families, some some development of health literacy tools to use, or just a couple of more examples of things that we've been able to do in that scholars program. And all of that was was possible because I got my DMP and was provided with that foundation, knowledge and skill set to be able to do those type projects and to lead others to do those type projects.
0: That's such a great example. And it's also so important to recognize all of these ways that you can Mm -hmm. continuously improve and continue Mm -hmm. to evaluate. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm excited that people will get to learn more about that.
1: Yes, me as well, and I'm excited that through this program, I'm able to provide this type of education to bedside nurses who see it firsthand and that they're they're equipped with the knowledge and skills to be able to carry out these projects themselves.
0: And so one thing that you and I have talked about before many times um, and that you work with some of our students with is utilization of technology, including simulation and telehealth equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, why do you think these are important tools for nursing students to become familiar with and then just important tools in healthcare in general?
1: I think as, as we've seen just this past year with the pandemic, telehealth is very important. Um, not just because of the pandemic, but there's lots of rural areas, you know, here in the state of Alabama, all 67 counties have pockets of underserved. Because they're just rural and don't have access, don't have the transportation access, or you know, to Uber or buses or anything like that. So I think it's important because we're going to see our students as they graduate utilize more of this telecommunication technology. Uh, and so I think uh, as a profession, we need to be able to, uh, to provide care through different avenues. And so this is just one way that we can provide care and reach a greater population. So I think it does a disservice if we're not integrating this into our curriculum to be able to train our students how to use this equipment and how to provide quality care through these telecommunications because I think it's only gonna continue to grow. I think physicians and uh, practitioners have realized that they can reach more people by utilizing telehealth. No, you can't do everything via telehealth, but there's a lot of services you can provide via telehealth. There's a lot of teleeducation that can be provided to a distance to especially those providers that, ordinarily couldn't attend continuing education events because they couldn't leave their practice because there was no one to cover it. So I think we're going to see it being used more and more and seeing the hybrid format being used a lot. So I think it's important for that very reason. And then in regards to simulation, I think simulation is a strategy to make things more realistic, to provide students with that hands-on experience in a realistic environments in a safe environment. So they're able to to utilize their skills and critical thinking without the added benefit, the adage of feeling like they're going to hurt someone. So it's a safe environment for them to make mistakes. And that's what it's there for for, for them to to kind of understand why they're thinking the way they're thinking. And I think that's the value of simulation.
0: That's such a great point. And one thing you brought up is um, the ability for telehealth or even just video formats, um, video chats to factor into continuing education. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about the continuing education that the School of Nursing offered earlier in the year?
1: Yes, I I was actually a part of a team um, in 2020. It doesn't. It it seems like yesterday. (laughs) No, I
0: realized I said earlier in the year and it was actually earlier in the last year. But Yes, it
1: was early in last year, but it seems like just yesterday that we actually implemented a virtual skills training, continuing education event um, for providers. And we had one session that was just for Alabama, and then we had another session that was open to anyone in the United States that was a provider. Uh, And what we realized is that people are longing for those types of opportunities. Overall, we got rave reviews about it because we implemented a skills workshop where we did a refresher on um, suturing. Basic suturing and a refreshment incision and drainage of skin abscess, which is done a lot in the primary care setting and in urgent um, care type settings. And the providers that were there primarily were rural areas where they have limitations with leaving their site to be able to attend these types of events. And you know the cost of the conference itself, the cost of the hotel, those types of things, and having to drive to a remote location to even be able to get an airplane to fly there. So those types of things were avoided by offering it virtually. And we were able to mail the suture kits and the entire packet that they would need to be able to practice these skills. So we got valuable, positive reviews and feedback feedback on the continuing education event and plan to offer more uab has always offered lots of mini cons here in the school of nursing but now we're figuring out out how can we convert those to hybrid format where we have some in the classroom and some that are remote locations and offer the same quality education and we were able to actually show that we were able to do that
0: um, just another example of how we can reach more people to continue to improve care. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, and that's very important work for us here at UAB School of Nursing. Is how can we go outside of the walls of the School of Nursing?
0: And so, in addition to uh, telehealth, are there any other trends that you see in healthcare and nursing, um, or any ways that you see COVID nineteen and the pandemic? changing aspects of nursing?
1: I think the need to address social determinants of health is very important and has definitely been highlighted since the pandemic and being more intentional on including that in curriculums. I think we're going to see a shift of that of community health and population health. Those are two totally different things, but oftentimes people see those as the same thing. And they're two totally different things. So ensuring that we're covering that, but not only that, I think cultural humility and, uh, being linguistically appropriate, offering linguistically appropriate care and culturally appropriate care is also important things that we're going to start seeing, including more. Not that they Wasn't already there, but I think we're going to see a more focus on it because we see how valuable it is to to kind of thread that through not just one module, one course focused on these things. But how can we thread that through the entire program so that students can understand the importance of it and then be set up with the skill set to be able to utilize it in their practice is important.
0: Um, And so one of the goals with this podcast is not only to help highlight our alums, our faculty, our students, but also if a potential nursing student or current nursing student is listening to this, listening to this for them to see all of the options in the nursing field. Um, So for any of those people listening, what advice would you give to those considering a career in nursing or who are maybe already in nursing school and looking to figure out their next step?
1: I think for those that may be considering nursing, um, I would say honestly, if you are passionate about um, helping people, ensuring that we're utilizing the best evidence to offer quality care, and you want to see um, people improve, concerned about health promotion, then this is the field for you. Uh, For those that are already in nursing, I think I would say never stop learning. There's always room for growth. Um, And I I teach that a lot with my students. Uh, And that's one of the things with quality. There's always room for improvement. There's always room to grow. There's always room to try new things. Because what works for one individual patient may not work for everyone. So be open to new opportunities. Um, They may cause you to stretch a little bit beyond what you're used to doing, but they also may show great benefit for the patient that you're doing it for. So be willing to be flexible with things and try out new things and never stop learning.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Legacy of Leadership, a podcast celebrating 70 years of the UAB School of Nursing. Want more from the UAB School of Nursing? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UABSON or on Facebook at UAB School of Nursing. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.